Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped metal. Please visit us on our website at www.themetalpit.org. And you can find us on YouTube at The Metal Pit 666 and on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And oh, my name is Blake, by the way. I don't think I ever introduced myself, but my name is Blake. I run The Metal Pit website. And today I have with me one of my writers, Eric. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great. Are you ready to rock it tonight, Blake? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and since this is your third podcast, right? I think. You got it. So I don't have to introduce you. You're just, you're from Virginia in the United States. I'm from Ontario in Canada. And we're going to talk about Ronnie James Dio's second solo album, The Last in Line, tonight. This is the first time we've had Dio on. This is our 18th episode, and it's the first time for Dio which is kind of odd actually but anyway so we're going to talk about the last in line which is the second studio album released july 2nd 1984 it is the first deal album to feature rough cut keyboardist claude schnell and it became the highest charting album in the u.s and the uk for Dio, reaching number four in the uk and 23 in the u.s the Sacred Heart album actually also reached number four in the UK. Let's see. And of course, right. And for anybody that doesn't know, but I'm sure, you know, but <laughs> Ronnie James Dio, who of course has been passed away for a while now, but first, well, first had his group called Elf, which I have never heard anything from them. Have you ever heard anything by Elf? I have not. I was curious about <laughs> them, but I've never heard any of their material. The only thing I would have heard was what was on the documentary, the Dio document. Have you seen the Dio documentary? I need to. Okay. <laughs> well, they probably played a few clips on there, but so that would be the only thing I've heard of Elf because I can't really seem to find it anywhere. And then, of course, he joined Richie Blackmore in Rainbow. And then when Ozzy Osbourne was kicked out of Black Sabbath, he did, I guess he did three albums with Sabbath, didn't he? But there see. was a break. Have I, was in there, didn't he come back? Did he? You're correct. Mm -hmm. Like he did Heaven and Hell and the Mob Rules, and then didn't he leave and then come back later to do Dehumanizer, Dehumanizer. I think is how it went. He, he did, and that's a heavy and pretty dark album. Yeah, and that and they mm -hmm. also did had a live album together. And that's then of course excellent. after then he did. Let's see, he's got ten solo album, Dio solo albums, I believe, if I counted right. And then he also joined Tony Iommi, and I believe it was Geezer Butler, and I can't remember the drummer, but in Heaven and Hell, the group Heaven and Hell, and they had two albums also. Yeah. So, uh, well, first, well, when did you first hear of Dio or of The Last in Line, whatever came first, I guess? When did you first hear Dio? Let's see. I want to say I heard Dio in 85, 86. You know, somewhere around that time frame. And uh, I got to say, the voice, his voice stood out. I mean, it's really before I got into, like, hard rock and metal music. But I was like, it's 
guy definitely has his own sound and he's got some power behind his voice. Uh, how about you, Blake? When was the first time you heard Dio? And it was it was one of his solo albums. It was either Holy Diver or Last in Line. I'm about 99% sure. Well, for, uh, it is hard to remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure I heard him in Rainbow first. I Because I had the... Oh, what was the album? Tarot Woman? Is that the name of the... No, sorry, Rainbow Rising. Rising. The name of the album. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that is when I first heard him. I could be wrong. It could be Sabbath, but... And I didn't check out the years here, but obviously Sabbath was before his solo stuff, right? So it was. But but I, I am pretty sure I did hear the two. I did hear him in Rainbow with you know in the songs along with Rock and Roll and Man on the Silver Mountain and Tara Woman and Temple of the King. Sorry. They were definitely a great band, of course, with Richie Blackmore on the guitar, and then of course definitely. Heaven and Hell song is a classic one of the best metal songs ever without a doubt <laughs> i would think yes and then actually funny he said uh i read somewhere where dio always thinks his first album is better than his second album including when he was in black sabbath where he thought heaven and hell was better than the mob rules and he thought holy diary was better than last in line <laughs> that's pretty and tough i'm not pretty sure tough. about heaven and hell though but but they're all he had a lot of great albums. Where is that? Uh oh um sorry. Yes, yeah, so oh I don't have that. Oh sorry, I was gonna mention the band on this album. I did mention Claude Schnell on keyboards, and of course Vivian Campbell was on the guitar, which we will talk about, I'm sure. This is probably, I would assume, or I think his best guitar album he's ever played. <laughs> I would think it's a lot better than his stuff in Def Leppard. I would imagine. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, the whole, Holy Diver has some phenomenal guitar playing, but I, I think I think lead wise, I'm with you on that. Yeah, he definitely lets it rip on on uh, Last in Line, the entire album, not just the song. Yes, and the bass player is Jimmy Bain, who was with Dio a lot, I believe. And Vinny Apici was on the drums, and he also is a great performance on this album too. I find. Um. So I guess that's really all I have to say before we start. Uh, sure, let's just start. We Rock is the first. Yeah, We Rock is the first song. You want to talk about that first? Oh, sure. So it, it's funny. Um, I initially thought we were going to do a review for Holy Divers. So mentally, I was preparing myself for that probably <laughs> a month ago, maybe two months ago. And you mm-hmm. mentioned Last in Line recently. And I said, you know what? It's perfect because We Rock, I played in a couple bands and we had one singer that could he could play he could perform Dio pretty well, but that that's a fun song. It's it's got this just awesome, uh, really driving rhythm guitar and Ronnie James Dio. The chorus is simplistic but very effective, and his vocal melodies and the and the verses are excellent. And the drumming too. I was remembering that he um uh, that Vinny does some really cool stuff uh, with the snare drum as well. What did you think of the song, Blake? Well, this, yes, we were, I, we were thinking about doing Holy Diver, and actually you can kind of see with this album, Holy Diver, maybe the next two albums are pretty similar in the song structures where they both start off with a really fast song, like uh, Stand Up and Shout on Holy Diver, which is a great opener. And then, of course, We Rock is also a great opener. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I love I love uh, Vinny Apice's 
drums on this album just i'm not like i'm not a drummer person or nothing and if i ever like anything it's usually the guitars but Vinny a pc's drums you know i want an air drum <laughs> or real drum except i don't have any real drums but <laughs> but yes it's a and it, i'm sure this song led off a lot of concerts on the tour because i'm pretty sure stand up and show led the holy diver tour and i'm sure we started we rock on the this tour and that, of course, led us into the title track, which is also something he did, like on the first four albums, where the title track would be the second song. And that's, of course, the last in line. And this has a slow intro until Dio's kind of softer vocals come in before the song kicks in with his long holding home. Home. Sorry. <laughs> and of course, and his great, of course, all the lyrics on this album are wrote by Dio and we get our we're off to the witch. Of course, we, everybody loves witches. <laughs> and uh, and I love that we're evil or divine. We're the last in line. And another great, I thought there was a great solo. I guess I didn't mention Vivian on the first song. But yes, I think it's a great solo by Vivian Campbell on this one. And yeah, I'm pretty sure nothing comes close to this on when he, is he still in Def Leppard? I'm not sure if he is or not. I'm Definitely still around as <laughs> they are. And yes, he is still with Def Leppard, but I, I certainly prefer his playing with Dio. And yes, yeah, you're right, Blake. That last in line solo is well, it's a piece of work. Um, they, the rhythm behind it, there's actually some pauses in there. It really lets Vivian's lead playing shine. And he has some great vibrato and sustain. And uh, it's a really, really good usage of uh, pinch harmonics too. Um, yeah, he's he was definitely I would say he was definitely one of the guitarists at the forefront and you know the mid eighties, early to mid eighties with his lead guitar playing. It's an awesome song, but you already touched on the uh, the intro, how dynamic it is. It's slow, it builds up, and uh it's very musical, but then you know, just crashes in and Ronnie James Dio just shows you that sheer power that he had. And this would be the match for Holy Diver. Now, if you had to pick what song, is it Holy Diver or The Last in the Line? <laughs> I have never thought of that before, but I have to say The Last in Line offers a little bit more. So I, I give that slight, the slightest of edges to Last in Line because I'm I'm a huge Holy Diver fan of the song and the album. But I'll go Last in Line. How about you? I'd probably pick Holy Diver. I don't know. I just something okay. about that. And it was probably probably the first solo Dio song I heard, probably because it had the I think video me too. stuff too. I think me too. That's I would imagine. Yeah. I can't. It's hard to remember some of these albums whether I heard since videos were starting to go. Of course, at this time, mm -hmm. so if I seen the video before I seen the or heard the album or not, but I kind of think I did. And then we get into Breathless. What do you think of Breathless? This one has some pretty cool riffs in it. Um, it has that breathing, of course, it kind of opens up the song. You're like, hey, what is going on here? And then it just kicks right in. And it's one of those good, like, mid-tempo rockers. Um, you know, it's not, like, extraordinary, but it sounds good. Uh, you know, it's got a nice hook to it. The chorus is great, as with really any Dio song. Um, yeah, I, I dig the song. How about you? Well, after the first two tracks that are, like, kind of Dio classics, the song probably gets forgot about by a lot of people and or maybe i don't i don't know but uh but yeah it's a little slower it's still heavy but it's still a little slower and it's short of course 
And, you know, I was, I did the last few podcasts. I've been looking up uh, stats for on that uh, setlist.fm website. I don't know if you've ever visited that website before. That's a cool site. Definitely. But it keeps track of mm-hmm. people submit the concert list that they heard or whatever. And I looked up breathless and I couldn't even find that they played it once. Live. Oh, wow. Oh, that's kind <laughs> now, of, it could be a mistake, surprising. of course, but huh. it had every other song on the album listed, but it didn't have Breathless listed. Hmm. Okay. But anyway, the song, yeah, it's a little slower. I mean, it's not one of my favorites on the album, but I still think the solo is awesome again. Oh, yes. <laughs> Another great solo, but the song just leaves a little, I guess, to be desired sometimes. But yeah, it's still good. And then we got, oh, I like this next one here, I Speed at Night. <laughs> And this is another fast one, but it's again, it's short. I'm not sure why he has such short songs back then, but just over three minutes long for this one. But when I listen to it, yes, I do speed at night, but of course I also speed during the day. So it doesn't really matter, (laughs) but I love the, my demons, they seem to disappear. I love that line. I don't know why I guess just hearing Dio say demons or whatever or witches, witches or whatever it might be <laughs> or he says rainbow all the time i don't really like rainbow but whatever <laughs> i like the group rainbow but i mean he's always got rainbow in a song lyric sometime do you like i speed at night uh, i'm with you uh yeah this one's just such a uh blazing song um it, it has some of that energy and some of that sound from holy diver it's definitely one of his up most up-tempo songs i've ever heard um I think it's a great song. I think it's actually a standout track on this album. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the track length because I I didn't really look over the track length of, of any of the songs on here. But uh, I guess it's not surprising considering the tempo. And it's not one of these like epic, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's not like a sign of the Southern Cross or a heaven and hell. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not meant to be. You know, it's just one of these songs where Dio wants to get his point across. You know, he just wants to kind of just rip it, you know, rip it up with the band. Vivian has a blazing, you know, just outstanding solo. And, you know, the the musicians, the whole band sounds great on the song. It's actually the shortest song on the album. Okay. And I guess it, part of the thing is there's only one guitarist, I guess. Maybe if there was like Iron Maiden, you had two guitarists or three now, you know, there'd be trade-off solos that would make the song longer. So maybe that's just the point that, you know. But yeah, I would like the song to be a little longer, but it's still an awesome song, so it doesn't really matter. And then we go into One Night in the City. And what do you think of that one? This one has a pretty cool vibe to it. It's a little, a little bit on the slower side. Obviously, <laughs> compared to I Speed at Night, it's, it's probably like more of a snail's pace or something. <laughs> but it's it's kind of slower, but it's got a groove to it. And uh, man, uh, Campbell's definitely got some of those pinch harmonics going there. They're pretty fierce. Um, I, I like the song. It's, you know, Ronnie James definitely is, he's kind of got this, uh, he's just got this like comp, really strong confidence in the song. You can, you can just feel it, you know, in his voice. What did you think of this one? Yeah, it is. I also had wrote down that it's slow. It's a little slower, but it's still heavy. It's not like a ballad or nothing like that. He doesn't really do. <laughs> he doesn't really do full on ballads, does he? I don't think much. Not, bad not too often. Anyway. All the all the fools sailed away was a little mm-hmm. bit more of a ballad, but I mean that one kind of gets progressive because they 
pick up the tempo. There's guitar solos. There's even a keyboard solo. So it's not even a traditional ballad. But yeah. Yeah. And just, yes. And um, he, his storytelling, this is kind of a storytelling kind of song with the story about the couple, Johnny and Sally. <laughs> and uh, even though I don't really know exactly, I guess it's just a couple out in one night in the city. I don't really know. I don't, I didn't, there's not much, you know, when you look on Wikipedia up stuff about lyrics on some groups, it has a lot, but with this album, there's hardly anything about anything, <laughs> which is kind of strange. Oh, that's a, I don't that's know That's odd because that was, this was such a uh, successful album, which I'm but, sure you'll tell yeah, us about a little bit know. later. Maybe huh. they just, you didn't talk a lot about, what the songs meant to him and stuff. But, oops, I'm looking at the wrong thing. And it's just—it's kind of funny to hear "One Night" looking pretty in a big in a heavy metal song. <laughs> that did stand out, yes. But again, this isn't this. It's still a good song, like you say. But it's yeah, it's not one of my favorites on the album. And then we got oh, side two. If you're going, because I always mention this since I'm older. <laughs> and I have most of these on vinyl. So I flip it over to Evil Eyes. Now, this one is another fast one. This could have been on, this could have been let off the first side too, I guess. And this is a great one. Again, you hear Vinnie PC's drum work is just awesome in the song. And actually, I wrote here, I've already said it. Looking back, I wish some of these songs were longer <laughs> because you just want more out of them because they're so good especially this one and this one just comes in at under four minutes also but this is one of my favorites on the album what do you think of evil eyes i think it's definitely a cool song um it, yeah it definitely moves um the drumming is excellent i really like how he kind of draws out the uh evil eyes and you know he'll, he'll put in like another phrase in there but it sounds really good um yeah, there's there's nothing to uh, I think dislike about the song. Um, another, you know, it's got another ripping solo. Um, yeah, Dio's Dio's. I mean, his first two solo albums, and I, I like Sacred Heart. Don't get me wrong, but those first two albums of, of Dio's are just they're they're masterpieces, you know. And yes. I, I don't say that lightly. It's it's easy to say like throw throw around that word or you know you know a classic if you will, but they're. These two albums, Holy Diver, and we're talking about Last in Line tonight, is, I mean, beginning to end, there, there are no fillers at all. Um, so I would definitely say Evil Eyes is it's a solid song. Very good song. Now, um, just I'd looking at this um, playing songs live thing, and of course, the Last in Line was played a lot, and We Rock was played a lot. And then I Speed at Night and Evil Eyes were played both about the same which like 76, 72 times it says. Now, of course, comparing Last in Line, which was played 1,013 times. <laughs> but of wow. course, he would play that one the most, of course. And uh, yeah, and then We Rock was 780 times. But anyway, then we go okay. on to, or am I? Oh, Mystery. Now, this song is very reminiscent of Rainbow in the Dark on the first album. I just mean the feel of it. It's like it's the closest thing to a radio single, I guess you would say. And it's slower and a little more melodic. Again, it's not a ballad or nothing. And I for sure could do without this one. <laughs> 
just like I could have did without Rainbow in the Dark and Holy Diary. I never really like that song. Maybe it's just because I don't like the word Rainbow in my song lyrics. I don't know. <laughs> but oh, that, um, that hurt. That hurts a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't. I those are my, Rainbow in the Dark and Mystery. Those are my least favorite songs on each of these first two albums. Okay. Yeah, I, I was thinking that you might not be the biggest fan of uh, Mystery since it is. I, I would say it's the most. You know, it's. I think without a doubt, it's the most melodic song on this album. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I like it a lot. I, I think it's a good tune. Um, I, I think some of the lyrics are kind of cool. Uh, we are lightning, we are flame, and we burn at the touch of a spark. Um, he's got some really cool lines in here. And um, obviously, that you know, you have some synthesizers going on. You have a little more open chords, but uh, I think uh, you know, Ronnie James Dio sounds phenomenal on this album, and it's. You know, it's got that catchy, catchy chorus, which I think works very well. Um, obviously, it's meant as a single, but yeah. Well, this, I don't I like know, it. This is this a time where Dio was at his peak for his singing? I don't know, because he was really good, of course, in Rainbow and Sabbath, of course, too. Mm -hmm. But now he's out yeah. writing all the, all the lyrics himself. So, of course, all the lyrics are great, except when he uses Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything against rainbows. Rainbows are nice, but I don't know. I'd rather hear about witches and uh, wizards and things. <laughs> and then we get we go on to uh, oh, I think one of the other reasons maybe I don't like mystery is because it comes after evil eyes, <laughs> and like you know because evil eyes is so good, and then it's like oh, this is kind of a you know, but whatever. Then we get to each or eat your heart out. Now, this is faster, obviously, than Mystery, but still not as speedy as some of the other earlier rocking songs on the album. Uh, I didn't write anything else about this song. Eat Your Heart Out. I, I think I like the song, but, you know, not as well as some of the other ones. Do you like Eat Your Heart Out? It's a good song. Um, it, I, I like how they have some accents with some of the power chords. There's, you know, they have some rests here and there. Um, it's not one of my top songs, but I, I, it belongs on the album. Um, I think it's, I do like how they don't end on in the album on like this song or even mystery. And they, they ended on, you know, on definitely on a darker tone, which we'll talk about shortly, but mm -hmm. it's a, it's a pretty good song. It's not one of my top once again, but pretty good. That song has only been played nine times live. Mm. <laughs> not sure what that says, but. And then we got, as you said, the <clears throat> closing track is like the longest song on the album, Seven Minute. I guess this would be an epic for Dio, since most of his songs are three and four minutes long. Except, you know, The Last in Line is pretty long. And then Egypt, the chains are on. And you get some uh, moody Egyptian kind of noises at the start of the song. And... I think I think Dio's lyrics are made more for long songs because he gets to tell his stories, his interesting long stories, more than just saying we rock or whatever. You know what I mean on the shorter ones. Mm -hmm. And it is a great closer. As yes, and what do you think of this? You, you just mentioned it, but what do you like about this song? Uh, Egypt is pretty neat. I was thinking about something a little bit earlier between the tempo of this song and Sign of the Southern Cross, which is one of my favorite uh, Dio Sabbath songs. They're not quite the same tempos, but they are slower. 
and not slower as mellow, but slower mm -hmm. as, and it's just tempo is just a bit slower, but still very heavy. And uh, it starts off, as you said, with that, the really neat kind of sounds that these exotic, you know, um, tones, and then it brings into this really like dark, there's tension with this. It's in the key of D minor. And uh, the, he throws in, uh, Vivian throws in this tritone there. And uh, it just has this really slow yet aggressive like vibe to it. Uh, but then Dio, you know, he, he tells a story and man, I mean, his voice, he just carries, really carries those verses. And um, the chorus is repetitive, but it sounds great. And, um, you know, I like how they kind of slow things down for that solo. And uh, yeah, Vivian, he, he definitely sings on that solo. But it's, it's um, definitely I have to say it's the darkest song on this album. Um, uh, one of the one of the darker songs off the first two albums, honestly. Yes, and the, the, this album, like I say, this is album came out in nineteen eighty four. Holy Diver was nineteen eighty three, and then Sacred Heart was nineteen eighty five. This is back in the day when groups made an album a year. <laughs> some <laughs> some groups made two albums a year, which we might talk about when we do our top ten album thing. <laughs> oh yes. Uh. But what do you, okay, so, so for rating it, I know you really like it, you say, and I mean, I really like it, but for me, I'm giving it an eight out of 10, just because I guess kind of what I was saying, like mystery, I didn't really like too much and breathless, I could have did without, because I would probably give Holy Diver maybe, I think I wrote that down, Holy Diver, I'd probably give maybe a nine out of 10, so I'd give this, oh, I say I put eight and a half, whatever. <laughs> But anyway, for this one, I would give an eight out of ten. What would you give it out of ten? All right, Blake. Don't give me a demerit. Um, you know, don't don't make me. You can uh, give it a ten if you want. Don't, don't don't give me an in school suspension. But with <laughs> you know, just kind of listening to so much uh, music from 1984, a lot of hard rock and metal. Um, I did not really think about the rating. I got to be honest. Oh, and now okay. I'm thinking. Yep. Well, you can just I'm guess. Thinking, <laughs> yeah, I would say, I would say I, I, I do like Holy Diver just a slight edge more than this album. Uh, Last in Line is one of my very favorite Dio songs. Um, top three for sure. Um, but I would say the album for me is a solid eight to eight and a half. I'd probably give it, you know what, I'd give it, I think an eight is, an eight's good. Um, it's one of those albums, I thought about this actually as well. Um, when we first started talking about doing a Dio podcast, I've listened to Holy Diver and Last in Line both uh, well over 50 times. So mm -hmm. that tells you how much, I, how much I, you know, I've enjoyed these albums over the years. So Last in Line, I'd give it a strong eight. Yes. And well, that's what I gave it to. So yeah. we're yep. both smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like this is, the, I don't, this is, I guess this is the book, Collector's Guide to Heavy Metal, gave it 10 out of 10. Mm. And Rock Hard Magazine, which is a German magazine, gave it nine and a half out of ten. Wow. And then some all music guide or whatever, that's an online music database that says it only gave it like six out of ten. So everybody's different. Sure. <laughs> um now, as I mentioned earlier, he has or they Dio, the solo band that is, has 10 studio albums. And as I just mentioned, Sacred Heart was the third one, and that came out in 1985. And then it was a 
two years before Dream Evil came out, I found that Sacred Heart was a little more commercial, like he, because it was probably the time of hair metal was exploding and stuff. And, you know, you got to make songs that are going to be on the radio. So I find that Sacred Heart was a little bit not as heavy as the first two. But then I found with Dream Evil in 1987 that it kind of got back to being out because I do remember I like Dream Evil a lot too. I'm with you. Dream Evil is an excellent album. And then, of course, he was getting into what bands do today. Every three or four years, he would make an album. And, he, and his last one, of course, was Master of the Moon, which is 2004. I do know I like I think I like Master of the Moon and Killing the Dragon. But some of the other ones, Anger Machines, Strange Highways, Lock Up the Wolves, I would say I haven't listened to those in years, I don't think. It would always be going back to, which is usual with every podcast I do, I always say that. (laughs) I go back to the first few albums by the groups we're talking about, because those are always my favorite, probably because that's what I grew up on, right? That makes sense. Now, have you seen Dio live before in any sense? I have, uh, my first story is a most unfortunate story. We were going to see Dio um, and Ingve Malmsteen. So, you know, I was being a guitarist. I was like through the roof. I was like, I can't believe it. We're going to a show. We pull up to the venue and we're like, where are the cars? Somebody pulls up. Oh, Dio canceled. Uh, ticket sales issue and we're like whoa and yeah (laughs) f-bombs were dropped and you know we're pretty crushed and i was like oh man that just kind of ruined the whole weekend but it was a friday night i'll never forget it because i remember at school that's all i was thinking about and i i dragged my girlfriend at the time to the show and uh my sister and her boyfriend we were all going to the show and yeah we were uh you know we were pretty upset my sister said some more spicy things than i did but i was just I was just kind of stunned and I was like, oh, it's just, this is a sucky, just, you know, sucky day and night. And hopefully I'll get to see him again. And fortunately, uh, I ended up seeing him. Now the, the flip side of it, of it real quick is um, I missed him with uh, Megadeth. Megadeth opened for them uh, in Maryland. I missed that show, but then I caught them here in Virginia, like about 20 minutes away. And they played with Priest, and I'm a huge Priest fan, and I thought Priest would put him away. Actually, Ronnie James, I mean, wasn't better than Halford, but their sound was markedly better than Priest, and their set, what's more important is their set list was better than Priest. He Mm -hmm. sounded incredible, and this is like, I don't know if it was 2010 or 2011, but it was, it was maybe two years before he passed, but he's, couldn't believe how great he sounded. I was really impressed. Um, how about you, Blake? Uh, what, what about you with uh, with Dio? Well, with what you just you said, he's got a great, like Judas Priest is good, of course. You said, you, yeah, Judas Priest. They're good, of course. But Dio has like, he, you know, he can pull songs from Rainbow and pull songs from Sabbath. Sabbath. <laughs> and then it's because he has so many songs to choose from. And he always does that where he would start Heaven and Hell and then go off and do Man on the Silver Mountain and then come back and finish Heaven and Hell and things like that. He always enjoyed doing that. But I think that's the 70s rocker in him where they used to do that a lot back then. Now, for me, um, I actually did see him with Ingve Malmsteen. Lucky guy. <laughs> and that was the Sacred Heart. Was it the Sacred Heart tour, you think you were going to see? That, 
Did you say I, that? That's exactly. That's no, I didn't say that, but that's exactly the tour, though. Yes, that's the one. That's the first time I saw him, and I'm not. I'm tr- trying to think. It might have been the only time I seen him solo, like solo band. I mean, mm-hmm. so I think it was that one. So I remember the sword and the big. It looked like an egg or whatever on stage, but it wasn't an egg. I don't know. I forget what it was, but but he was sticking the sword up in this big thing and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it was this, like a dra- dragon's egg, wasn't it supposed to be like yeah, a dragon's I guess, egg? Yeah, I and, yeah, and there was a yeah. dragon on stage yeah. and stuff. But yeah. yeah, I think that was the only time I seen him solo. And I also seen him once with Heaven and Hell, probably after their second album with you know Tony Omi and Geezer Butler and I think maybe Vinny Apici was a drummer then too and it wasn't Bill Ward I don't think it could have been Vinny Apici but so I seen that and I actually think Slayer opened up for them which is also double good <laughs> <laughs> and that was just in London Ontario which is a 300,000 city place here close to me but anyway, so, but yeah, I think, so I think those are the only two times I've seen them and, you know, Sacred Heart, that would have been 1985. So that's a long time to go back on. Oh, I also think, uh, do you know the group Helix? Yes, not well, but I do. Hey, they're I've a Can- few, Canadian group. I think they also Helix. opened yeah. the show, I think, too, before okay. in May, I think. I'm not positive because it was an outdoor concert in Toronto. Anyway, so that's the Dio thing and that album and i think uh oh so we're gonna do now sometimes we do top 10 songs from the group which i'm sure if we did it a lot of the songs would be from the first two albums anyway you are you are correct sir (laughs) so i thought we would change it up and do the top 10 albums from the year that this album came out so 1984 so we're going to list off our top 10 albums in 1984 and see if and where this album the last in line fits on our list now i'll let you go for you're ready you can go first and start at your number 10 or you can Mention a few honorable mentions if you want to, or you can leave that till after I'm done to see if I mention them, maybe. Okay, okay yeah, maybe maybe I'll pause on the honorable mentions. I don't have many, but um, okay. I'll start off at number 10. I I changed my top, my bottom, like, five uh, multiple times. <laughs> oh, wait, before um, you which, go on, wait. Sure. <laughs> I just... Fire away, I, like... I, I said this on your uh, before we started talking on air that I'm going to predict that four of the 10 that you have on your list, I will have on my list, but that we're only okay. going to watch four. So we'll see how good I am at my guess. Okay. Okay. All right, let's see what kind of, we'll see what kind of grade Blake gets here. Okay. All right. So Blake, Blake, I got to thank you for the uh, eight hours of homework for my uh, 1984 <laughs> compilation list, but hey, it's music. It, it's good, you know, hard rock, heavy metal music. So I enjoy it. You know, it was fun. So number 10 for me is uh, Dockin' Tooth and Nail. Mm. Um, George Lynch absolutely destroys it. Um, this is actually when Don Dockin could sing really good. Um, <laughs> J- Jeff Pilson can still sing pretty good. Um, he sang backups. And uh, that uh, that track is just one of one of Dawkins' best um back back then i I really mm -hmm. listened to Dawkins a lot back then Mm -hmm. but but now as i look through my list to make my list i just i guess they just lost my interest 
with how music changed or whatever for me. So they didn't uh-huh. even make my uh, extras. <laughs> but oh, anyway, okay. I do remember listening to the first like three or four Dawkins albums a lot back then. But anyway, continue. Yeah, that's, you know, Tooth and Nail, like by itself, the song's just phenomenal. But um, mm-hmm. uh, Turn on, turn Up the Action's great. I mean, I, I, like the, I like the whole album. Alone Again got overplayed. It's a ballad, you know, it, it was yeah. decent. But the girls <laughs> loved it. You had the lighters up in the air. Um, but yeah, it's, um, then you have um, And To the Fire. That was actually a big video hit for them um and i thought that was a great song and there were some dynamics it's melodic there's incredible shredding uh don dawkins voice really shines on that one but that's my number 10 uh blake fire away with your number 10 if you oh, want oh okay or did you want you wanted me to no, hold, you know yeah list? you just go 10 to 1 and then i'll do my 10 to 1 that's probably easier hey you've done yeah. this a few more times than i have so that <laughs> Logically, that makes more sense. So my my number nine, this this was kind of hard. I felt like this would have been maybe a little bit higher, but it's it's Wasp, their debut album. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know, and it's it's a strong album beginning to end. Um, I won't go as far as to say this is blasphemy, but I'm a bigger fan of Last Command. I, I like that album better. Maybe it's because that's the one that I really got into, and I got to know Wasp better when that album came out. Um, but it's it's a good album. Tormentor is a great tune, man. Um, you know, and uh, obviously Blackie Lawless is into some of the uh, the gory stuff that a lot of a lot of metalheads and uh, musicians were into back in the day. Um, but yeah, it's that that's a really good album. I mean, I like every track on it. Yes, um, I like I that have... album. It's on my honorable mention list. So okay, good deal. Yeah. Yes. Um, number eight, I had Metal Church. That one was kind of all over the place um rest in peace david wayne he had quite the vocal delivery um you know uh he he definitely definitely hit some kind of crazy notes but he's a pretty scary pretty scary dude you know uh when he was when he was uh you know doing his thing behind the mic but um that album that album made a lasting impression with actually uh my first band uh we wanted to do metal church but gosh those drums I don't know. I know you listen to drums closely. I do too. I'm a guitarist, but I, I appreciate some excellent drumming and, uh, uh, the guys, the drummer's name, uh, alludes, alludes my, uh, my memory bank, but I think yeah. the drummer for metal church is as good as, if not better than Lars Ulrich. Mm-hmm. He, he, he really, he really shines on that, that song. The intro's incredible. And he just, he gets this groove going, but he has some phenomenal fills too. And, I'm no drummer, but you can you can hear talent, and he's got it. And that song is awesome. Um, it's a really good album. Um, it ends with a highway star. I kind of wish they would have ended on a heavier song, but it's it's got <laughs> it's got some hooks to it. And I I know the Deep Purple fans will will poo poo me for that, but um, you know I I figure like why not close it with Hitman or something like that. But um, <laughs> I actually I actually I love the version of Highway Star actually. It is good though. It is good. And God's Wrath, we tried to cover that in one band. <laughs> it didn't get very far, but it was always a always a fun tune to play. And uh the intro, oh man, Beyond the Black. Wow, what a statement. Mm-hmm. It's got that scary kind of demonic intro to it. And uh you know uh mankind is you know starved and died and you know the late night where they say the late 1900s uh 
there is no, you know, it's like atomic growth, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty intense. And there's some awesome soloing in that. Just, um, yeah, that's, a, that's, that song's pretty unconventional too. I mean, there's a lot of soloing, a lot of instrumental moments and Wayne, you know, does this thing, but, um, it, it's a very, to me, it's kind of, it's a gutsy, uh, entry, you know, introduction song for any band. And you can tell metal church didn't care. They're like, this is our style. You know, we, we came to play and they did, they brought it. Um, yeah, I like, I, I, sorry, I, I, yeah, I like the first two yeah, Metal Church me. albums, especially. And they just released a new album last Friday, actually, with another singer. And I don't remember his name, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so yeah. go ahead. Yeah, number number seven. This is one, this might be, these next two were probably the hardest for me on this entire list. Because stylistically, they're both of them are different than anything else on this album. Probably especially Queenstrike. So number seven, um, Queenstrike Warning. So mm-hmm. it is not my favorite Queen Strike album. Uh, Jeff Tate really, really hits up plenty of high notes on this album. And uh, I guess that could kind of wear on some people. I always liked his voice. Um, I think Rage for Order, the next album, is really where he starts to really kind of the band really starts to develop their own more progressive leanings. This album has more of their kind of power metal-esque. They sound a little bit more like Priest or Maiden kind of mm-hmm. in those veins. Um, I like it a lot though. Um, uh, I, I don't know which song I would even want to start with. I mean, the, the title track is, is great. It's memorable. It's got a really cool groove to it. The bass line is actually really, really nice too. Um, this is actually another drummer, Scott Rockenfield, not to kind of jump on the drummer bandwagon, but this guy's freaking underrated, man. He is excellent. His playing throughout every Queen Strike album that I've heard. And I don't, I don't like all their later albums, but he, he's an excellent drummer. But um, yes, yeah, warning, warning. I do like it. Is not one of my favorites, which is why it's down here at number seven um, for the uh, 1984 greater. There are a lot of great albums as we're gonna cover here. Um, Roads to Madness and uh, NM156, which is just a bizarre album title. Uh, I looked at the <laughs> lyrics many years ago. It's it's kind of like if computers had a consciousness, which is mm-hmm. kind of freaky because AI, we have the AI controversy, controversial things going on now. But um, it's a very cool song. And Roads to Madness is an absolute epic that clocks in over eight minutes. It's very dynamic, uh, bombastic. Uh, I've never really thought of this before. I was never a huge Queen fan, uh, but it has some kind of Queen elements to it, the way kind of the music's kind of presented. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Queen Strike, I, I like, you know, 50 times more than Queen. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Freddie Mercury definitely was one of a kind. But Jeff Tate, uh, Jeff Tate and the band really, really kind of lead us on to this epic. A great closer for a good album. Not great album, but a very good album um, with, with a very strong intro, introduction song, and closing song. Yes. Number six. Number six is my other kind of doesn't really there aren't other bands that are really comparable on here but this is one that i listened to and this is my uh i mentioned this to you before we started recording this is kind of my nostalgic pick and i I don't i don't get i don't get too kind of sappy on my on my music but this is a fun one it's stay hungry by twisted sister (laughs) and um yeah i mean we're not going to take it. I mean, you want to talk about rock, hard rock anthems. This is one of the biggest ever. 
This is such a huge single for the band. I Want to Rock, which I like even more, was another one of those songs. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how this came to be, but at our middle school, and I could not stay in my middle school, but <laughs> they allowed us to stay after one day. Hey, we're, we're going to let you all uh, listen and watch some, uh, you know, hard rock videos. The first one was, we're not going to take it. I was like, it's kind of ironic being at school and, <laughs> you know, them playing the song. And if they only <laughs> kind of understood the lyrics and the gist of it, they probably wouldn't have let us watch it and listen. But we rejoiced <laughs> and we enjoyed and we were loud and obnoxious. but. We were smiling and we were happy. So, um, but Stay Hungry is a blazing, it's like a speed metal song, but uh, Dee Snyder's, uh, Dee Snyder, man, his vocal range, especially back in the day on this and Under the Blade, which is another really good album. I like Stay Hungry better, but mm -hmm. his voice, man, he can really hit some freaking notes. Um, he's got a nice range. Um, but um, you also have like the Beast, SMF. So it's a complete album beginning to end. So well, it had of course, to be my top 10. Well, Burn, Burn, Burn in Hell is, of course, my favorite song on that album. I was just going <laughs> to throw that out there. De definitely one of the more kind of ominous tunes, but it's great. It's a great tune, man. And uh, it well received live. You know, I saw D. Snyder play it solo. It uh in Springfield, Virginia, and the crowd went nuts. We loved it. <laughs> uh, number five is the uh, we've we've been talking about this album during the podcast. Last in line, I thought it was going to be a little bit higher, but no disrespect to to Dio. Um, it it is a masterpiece, beginning to end. We covered it. I probably don't need to say any more. Um, there are no fillers. There, there are no average songs. I mean, everything is good to great mm -hmm. on this album. <clears throat> um, number four, this was a little tough. Um, I don't know where you stand with this band. My, uh, my throat's starting to get a little sore. <clears throat> Pardon me. So number four is it's a very memorable album. This was a huge, hugely successful album. I'll have to look this up after our podcast to see if this went gold or platinum. Uh, it is the Scorpions Love at First Sting. <clears throat> Rocky Like a Hurricane is the one that really um, put them on the map. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's probably, well, it's, it's one of my least favorite songs on here. It's a good song, but obviously the radio got a hold of it. MTV got a hold of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, this this album though, I mean, you start off with, you know, Bad Boys Running Wild, um, everything, uh, I'm Leaving You. Um, man, some of the guitar solos on this album are some of my favorites. Uh, very melodic, absolutely ripping though. And um, I mean, just another guy. I mean, some of the bends that he pulls off. And I mean, you know, Claus Mean. I mean, Claus Mean and Matthias Jabs. Uh, or maybe it's Matthias Jabs, but those guys, those Germans, man, they definitely, the early Scorpions really rocked. I know they're, you know, last whatever handful of albums. <clears throat> I did not like the uh, the whole rhythm of the love. I didn't like that stuff. Uh, it was definitely more the hair rock kind of sound, but they're early, early Scorpions. They had melody, but they had some driving stuff. Coming Home starts off very slow and soft. But it's a, it's a song about where they're on tour for months and months at a time. And it just picks up and it's got passion. 
very driving and has some stellar guitar work on there. So love it for staying number four <coughs> by the aforementioned. Uh, I can just tell you, you, take a break for a second. That. I can just say, okay. I never really listened. I never really listened to the Scorpions much myself. Of course, I knew I was Rocky. Curious. Like, I was curious. I know okay. Rocky like a hurricane, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I do see it went three, that album went three times platinum in the United States, mm-hmm. two times platinum in Canada. And man, it only mentions France and Germany for some reason. It went gold in those two countries. I'm not sure why those are the only countries it lists, but it made it to number 25 on the Billboard charts in the United States. Oh, that's the song. Sorry, Rocky Like a Hurricane made number 25. Not the album, but the song. But it made where is the United States? So it made number six actually on Billboard's album chart that year, I assume. But anyway, yeah, so they won't be on my list either. So so far, we've only got one match. We only have three Interesting. left. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I've, I've got, a, I've got a, a cough drop now, so hopefully that doesn't pick up too much on our podcast. But uh, That's yeah. Okay. Um, so jumping to the top three. Um, the third one was hard because I felt like the Scorpions were very worthy of that number three spot with that album. <clears throat> and Last in Line is certainly up there too, obviously. So it's a little tough, but number three is Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith. Um, oh. You know, talking to Priest fans, you'll hear, you know, screaming for vengeance. A lot of people go overboard, in my humble opinion, with Painkiller. It is definitely a metallic album. It's it's a, it's a, you know, good to very good album, but Defenders of the Faith crushes, absolutely destroys um painkiller turbo um i i don't know it's it's one of my it's one of my top three priest albums honestly so it it had to make this list yeah i like that album too it didn't make my list but i do like that album too yeah i mean free will burning i mean you want to talk about pioneers of speed metal it's judas priest has to get a lot most of the credit because that song the tempo is unbelievable there's some, I mean, Glenn Tipton and KK Downing between all those notes that they're playing and then the dive bombs and Halford. I don't know how, how, how forget some of those words, some of those lyrics out so fast. But, uh, and then of course his shrieking, man, he hits some, <clears throat> you know, back in the day, he hit some piercing notes. Uh, you got some heads are going to roll. That's an excellent anthem. Uh, Eat me alive. Lyrics are certainly, uh, you know, the PMRC hated that, uh, Hated that song, but it is a driving, driving uh, and lustful song. But um, there's, uh, yeah, that album, Begin and End, you know, I, I I listened to it last night and I could listen to it tonight. I could listen to it tomorrow. I wouldn't come <laughs> close to getting bored of it. Um, it's it's a meaty album. I mean, it, it's got a lot of attitude to it. Now, um, I know what your last two are. I just don't know which order they're in. So what's your number two? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was curious about with you too, because you think more highly of this album than I do. Actually, it seems like most people kind of in my friend circle that actually like metal music, hard rock and heavy metal music, this seems to be their favorite Metallica album. It is not my favorite Metallica album. I do enjoy it quite a bit. It is Ride the Lightning. <laughs> Fight Fire with Fire is a just, I mean, that that's a definition of, a song where you're like, okay, the first time you hear it, where are they going with this? Where are they going with this? And bam, you just get like a right hook to the jaw or to the eardrum, if you will. And 
you know, then they just ratchet up the freaking thrash, man. They just go all out. Um, we know the album Inside Out. Call of Cthulhu, and- I'm jumping to the end because that's a that's a pretty, that's a bold move to put an instrumental album on your, you know, second full release. Um, mm-hmm. And Cliff Burton's, you know, his his knowledge is is all over that album and Call of Cthulhu first and foremost. Um, you can hear how musical it is. Um, there's quite a bit of tension. Um, Creeping Death, I'm going to kind of work backwards. Creeping Death is, um, you know, that's just a savage Metallica song. Who doesn't love that bridge in the middle? You know, die by my hand, I creep across the land. Yes, <laughs> get those horns up, people. Come on, play it right now while we're listening to the podcast. Maybe not. Well, actually, our last our that. last podcast episode was on Ride the Lightning. But so me yeah. and Kim did that. So if you make sure you go listen to that if you haven't yet. <laughs> How appropriate. Yeah. Um, you obviously you've got fade to black. Um, it's hard. I like that one. I like sanitarium. I played sanitarium in a band. Um, uh, that was one mm-hmm. of our better received songs. But um, yes, it's a ballad, but I mean it's it's Metallica and it's it's really they're kind of to me, it's their big the beginning of their prime. Um yes. so it's a great song. Boom, the bell tolls. You'll hear that during sporting events. I, I thank God they play them at Caps games and hockey games and other sporting events. So that, that'll definitely get you charged up, you know. Yeah. Um, and the, t- the title track. I heard the title track on um, Sirius XM. I know, they probably have it up in Canada, I'm sure. It's satellite yes, radio. Yes. But, but I, heard, I heard Ride the Lightning, the, the song, and I was kind of surprised. And uh, it was on Ozzy's Boneyard. But I was like, yeah, this song, you know, you kind of, you don't forget, but you appreciate how well written it is. Um, just great riffs. Hetfield sounds good. Soloing's awesome by Kirk. Um, that, that's a, just an awesome song, man. I love Ride the Lightning. Number one. Maybe Blake can give us a drum roll. <laughs> you got a drum roll in you? It's okay. Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Eddie has one. I don't know. There you go. I'm a guitarist, so I'm going to skip the drum roll. Um, you know, I just strummed my guitar unplugged up it. So there you go. Got a little background <laughs> noise. I don't know if it even picked that up, but it's okay. You know, I, I, made, I made the effort. Number one, this could be my favorite album, depending on which day of the week it is. But it is the almighty up the irons, Iron Maiden, <laughs> Power Slave. This is I, it. I knew that I would mean, be your number one or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Ace is high. Um, I've got to, you know, kind of run through the memory banks, but that could be my favorite. Well, it's hard. It's my favorite intro to any Iron Maiden album. It's my mm-hmm. favorite opening song. Um, you want to talk about tempo? Yep, Nico and the boys really brought it on this. Um, it's a very inventive intro. The guitar harmonies are outstanding. Bruce, man, that air raid siren. I mean, he really lets it <laughs> lets it fly on Ace's high. <clears throat> uh, the video is awesome with the uh, with the World War II, uh, you know, dog fights as well. Mm-hmm. Aces, you know. Then you got, uh, pardon me, you have two minutes to midnight. Believe it or not, that's the first song I ever learned on guitar. It was not easy, <laughs> but um, you know, I definitely have a always had a, an appreciation for that one. Um, I'm not going to go track by track, but um, no, yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, 
Don't want to sure that's the, another uh, I'd say power slave will be a podcast episode sometime, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd love to be on one or I'd, I'd certainly enjoy listening to one. But um, the title track, I feel like even Maiden fans don't really have that in their top 10 for whatever reason. I don't have any I don't have any data to support that. But I feel like now you and I do. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, power, power slave just has this just this eerie like undertone to it and obviously you look at the lyrics it's fitting but um and dickinson wears this like spooky uh kind of egyptian mask when he when he sings this one live yes um but man that solo section where they bring it down and uh it just has a lot of feel to it then they pick it up and uh you got dickinson running around like he's 25 years young again and just uh, the solos are just blistering. It's a great song. It's got an awesome chorus, too. I wouldn't say it's a traditional Maiden chorus, but yeah, there's definitely some tension in there, and it's, it's a great tune. Um, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, I think it's your favorite Maiden song. It's one of mine. It's yes. not my very favorite, as you know. Um, I don't know how many listeners we had on the old, uh, you know, the last, uh, you know, podcast, obviously, for our Beast. Uh, release but um yeah rhyme of the ancient mariner is top five for me easily it is the definition of an epic clocking in over 11 minutes um what can you say man steve i'll jump to the middle of the song steve harris (laughs) with that bass line the arpeggiations uh he's doing this cool thing with these augmented uh arpeggios um and then dickinson doing his spoken word um that song is just full of really cool little kind of niches of guitar harmonies. The verses really hold their own. They're really strong and, and really move through the song. Um, yeah, Dickinson has a story to tell. It's, it's I mean, that, that's the way an epic is meant to be played. Mm-hmm. And that's my number one. Um, well, I, so uh, I, was, I, mm-hmm. I was wrong. I only had three of the same. Okay, that's still pretty good. Not four, only yeah. three. So, so I'll, I'll go... wait. For... Yeah, go ahead. I'll wait on my honorable mentions till you're done, I suppose. Sure, because I might mention okay. some of your honorable mentions. Oh, first, wow. I'll mention, well, I'll go through my top 10 first, and then I'll maybe mention my some of my honorable mentions that you didn't already mention, except Twisted Sister was on it and Wasp was on it. And I forgot about Judas Priest, actually. I was going to put that on my honorable mentions, too, because it didn't make my list either. So my number 10 album, which is a group I mentioned earlier, and this is probably because I live in Canada, but it's Helix, (laughs) Walking the Razor's Edge. It's the album that had the song Rock You on it. You know, give me an R, give me an O, whatever, which was the biggest song they ever had. Now it's kind of hair metal, but a little bit heavier than regular hair metal, I think. But being in Canada, I like listening to lots of Canadian stuff too. And so that was one that made my list because I listened to that a lot. <laughs> Number nine, I have David Coverdale's band, White Snake. Slide it in because I love this album. <laughs> and I actually forgot about that. I was making up my list. I already had my 10. And then I went, oh, wait, White Snake. I love Slow and Easy. The song Slow and Easy. And of course, slide it in and uh loving no stranger and it's probably the only white snake album that i would even consider for a top 10 list even though the next one was good of course steve was no steve i wasn't on slide it in john sykes was i believe and then steve i joined after that but then there are more 
trying to get songs for the girls to like them, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, I got Trouble with Psalm 9, which is their first album. They're a doom metal band. Have you ever listened to Trouble? You know what? It's funny. I remember back in the day you were talking about Trouble and I saw like it might have been like the single, I guess, off of that album or maybe the second album. And I, I liked when I heard. I remember I could hear a little bit of Sabbath in their sound. Yes. And uh, I guess it's one of those things where it's just since, uh, I don't know, like we hadn't really talked about it since years ago. I, I would have followed through and listened to them. I'm going to have to jump on Spotify here after we Ooh. wrap up and, and pull up Trouble. You'll have to, maybe after we wrap up, you'll have to tell me your number one Trouble album. But I like what I've heard. Sure. Now, this was their first album. And yes, it was very Black Sabbath-like, except the lyrics are about God and heaven instead of about the devil and Satan. <laughs> or hell, I mean, meant to say. <clears throat> so they have like, you know, songs about praying for the dead and stuff like that. And like, but not praying for the dead to rise or whatever, like, you know, Venom would sing about or something. <laughs> but uh so some people might have it because it's very unheavy metal almost like because there's not that many groups that sing about christian stuff especially when you're singing doom kind of music like they were now the earlier stuff is like doom like sabbath but then they kind of progress where they almost sound like a little bit like led zeppelin but a little heavier but like led zeppelin they kind of get hippie like in some ways too so but yes we could talk about trouble and different albums and for anybody listening manic frustration is my favorite trouble album and that is one that doesn't sound like sabbath <laughs> okay and, and they're still i don't know and they're still i'm not sure if they're still making albums they just re-released their album run to the light which we have a review on our website if anybody wants to check that out number seven i'm going back to a canadian group again now you might not even know this group i'm not sure but it's a thrash metal group called exciter and their album is called violence and force and this was their second studio album and again I, there was all these canadian bands thrash bands razor sacrifice exciter and then there's the Oh, pile drivers and other group, and then there's some hair metal bands like Helix and uh, Kickaxe and groups like that, and of course Sebastian Bach from Skid Row is also Canadian. <clears throat> but so I was, I was always listening to a lot of Canadian stuff, so I really love that album. I'm not going to go into it, but Pounding Metal is a great metal song on that album. Now, number six, who I knew would never appear on your list, is Venom. <laughs> and their album right. at, war, at war with satan which is their third studio album now actually i it's really this album is it's got it's only got i think five songs on it because one song is a whole side of an album and it's 20 minutes long <laughs> so it's an epic for sure but of course it's really just you know it's like seven songs just it's just got one story to the whole song but anyway i love it's really that song that makes me give it to number six because i love the song but if you're not into satan and the devil not that i'm into it per se but i mean you know horror movie kind of stuff but anyway that's my number six number five matches yours it's dio the last in line so we don't need to that? talk about that <laughs> number four i got metal church with their first album of course which you had at eight i think you said you are so, correct 
So we match there. And my number three is Iron Maiden, Power Slave. And I guess we don't need to talk about that either. Now, I will I will say the first five, Iron. Mean, that's their fifth album, Power Slave. The first five Iron Maiden albums are definitely my favorite Iron Maiden albums of all time. But again, it goes back to me liking stuff I grew up with, I guess. So my number two, which didn't appear anywhere in your conversation, is Merciful Fate and Don't Break the Oath. That is my and that is their second studio album. And I love King Diamond and more so Merciful Fate. When he was in Merciful Fate, I thought the music was a little better in Merciful Fate than it was in King Diamond, even though Andy LaRock is great too. But I just love the two guitar attack in Merciful Fate. And there was also, and speaking of podcasts, we did a podcast on that one. Me and Stacia did Don't Break the Oath. So go listen to that if you haven't yet either. And my number one, obviously, you're going to know who that is. Of course, it's Metallica, Ride the Light. <laughs> okay. And yes, yeah. that is my favorite Metallica album, which you'll find out if you listen to that podcast. Fight Master of Puppets is a very close second. Yes. And I'm going to mention... Uh, would you want to mention some of your honorable mentions? Did you have any, a couple? I only have, let's see, we got five here. So I've got um, Armand Saint, March of the Saint. Mm -hmm. I've got Ingve Malmsteen, Rising Force. That's one uh, of mine, too. You want, you want to talk about some virtuoso guitar playing. Woo. Yeah, he was definitely the pioneer there for the only, neoclassical um, shredding. Yeah, but there was only two songs with singing, wasn't there, in that one? Is that right? Yep. Yep, okay, he treated yeah. it like I mean it was under like a you know a, a solo album you know it's his yeah. first it was his debut album and yeah so I thought that that was pretty interesting. Yes. Um, then we've got I, I looked at this I kind of feel bad leaving it off I was never the biggest like Van Halen fan but 1984 I mean that that was definitely one of those albums like if you liked you know rock and roll hard rock at all you feel like okay you got to like at least a few of the songs on that one <laughs> you know besides Jump but. It's, that's a, that's a good album beginning to end i like it um mm -hmm. and then uh this one i don't know if you ever like these guys i actually saw them um at a place in springfield as well um where i saw d snyder um it's uh lizzie borden give them the axe oh hmm. some pretty cool stuff i mean he definitely definitely had some of that british metal influence that new wave of british heavy metal influences there so i'm all about the guitar harmony so they had some of that some good riffs uh maybe a little bit of the you know some of the horror lyrics which i'm okay with but um you know borden definitely had a had a really good voice i, I haven't heard him in a while but it's a good it's an ep but I, I like it i liked it quite a bit especially back in the day um how about you blake do you have uh i, I heard you have a lot of uh, honorable mentions <laughs> i had i think i had like 11 honorable mentions mm. you know where i was getting close but you've already mentioned a couple i got ingve melmstein wasp twisted sister and i already mentioned a couple with canadian groups kick x and pile driver pile driver do you ever have you ever heard of pile driver so <laughs> i'm going to answer your question with two answers so <clears throat> pile driver i really can't say i've heard of but you you touched on Exciter earlier. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing t-shirts for them. Remember in the back of your Hip Parader, your Circus Magazine? Yes. They always had like some of those Exciter t-shirts and I was curious about them, but I can't say I've ever heard songs by either of those bands, Pile Driver or Exciter. Well, if you want to listen to a Pile Driver song, listen to the song Metal Inquisition. It's awesome. <laughs> but okay. it's really it's really dated though, because they're talking about 
being in a disco or whatever and dragging you out because you're supposed to, you should be listening to heavy metal and stuff so it's kind okay. of the lyrics are a little bit old 80s stuff but it's a great song <laughs> <laughs> and kick axe is kind of a hair metal band or whatever but a little again heavier than your cinderellas and stuff but they only had like four albums total, but uh, Vice's album was a great album. And they had a song called Heavy Metal Shuffle, which was big on MTV and stuff. And On the Road to Rock was another song on that album that was big on MTV, too. Or at least so much music in Canada. Anyway, <laughs> excuse me. And then and another hair metal band, Rat Out of Cellar. I used to listen to that a lot back then when I listened to hair metal. <laughs> I didn't even think to look that one up. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, but yeah, good, I like that album back then. Yeah. And if we're, you know, yeah, you mentioned Twisted Sister. And then we had one of oh, Deep Purple's Perfect Strangers. I was a big Deep Purple. I knew Purple you would fan. have that. I knew you would have the Deep Purple. Yeah. And <laughs> so I, I like that. It's not one of their best albums, of course. Like it's no Machine Head album or the earlier Deep Purple albums, but it was still pretty good. Perfect Strangers. And then there was this, oh, Man of War, who I like a lot. And they had two albums out that year, Hail to England and Sign of the Hand. But they're not yeah. their best albums, but they're still two good albums. And then there was two EPs out also. I didn't I wasn't gonna include an EP in my top ten, but Overkill's debut EP was out then. And Slayer had two, Haunting the Chapel and then Alive Undead, I think it was called, which had live mm-hmm. songs on it, I believe. Yeah, it had five oh, there, songs. That's all those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. <laughs> So it was, yeah. So like I kind of mentioned to you, the first five are pretty easy to list. And then the next five was like, well, where do I put this and this and this? But but yes, Exciter, you mentioned Exciter. They're thrash metal and they were around at the time. Like I have the box set for Metallica's Ride the Lightning and it has like, you know, those pages from magazines that would have the top readers polls and stuff and exciter mm-hmm. was in them all with metallic and stuff it's just oh, that wow. since they're canadian they didn't get the exposure they deserved at uh, the time uh, but they, i know that metallica liked exciter and stuff like that and they probably did some touring together and, things and that's, like that. that's what i was going to add to you because i was going to say i remember like hetfield being interviewed and exciter was a band he would mention sometimes yeah yeah so yeah that's pretty cool Anyway, just one more thing I forgot to mention about Dio was the thing about the horns, you know, the metal horns. (laughs) And of course, I just this is just for information for people that don't know. But, you know, the horns that people do at concerts, Dio invented that, or at least he says he did. And I believe him. (laughs) And that because he was in a metal documentary called A Headbanger's Journey. Not sure if you've seen it, but anyway, it's a documentary about heavy metal. And they talked to Dio in it. And I guess Gene Simmons from Kiss said that he invented the horns. But of course, he's lying. But... (laughs) <laughs> Dio saying that his grandma used to do that to him and it was called the evil eye actually which he has a song on his album but I don't think the song is about his grandma doing the hand signal thing to him but it was supposed to ward off evil spirits or something like that and then I read in the Dio documentary actually when you get to see this I guess I won't, I won't spoil it for you but he said I'll go that for it. His, because Ozzy used to give the peace, peace sign when he was singing with Sabbath and then Dio thought, well, I got to do something, but I didn't. I don't want to give the peace sign, so he gave those that horn sign instead, <laughs> and that's where it started. Was he did it when he was in Sabbath, and he didn't want to be like Ozzy, so he gave that 
horn metal horn thing, which it's called now. Except there's all these people like Justin Bieber that'll use it, and they don't oh. know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I just thought I'd mention that for anybody that didn't know. And if you don't agree with me that he invented it, well, it's too bad because I think he did. <laughs> I I I concur, and boy, that that uh, picked up a lot of steam pretty quickly. You know, uh, Ronnie James with that. And I read I read basically what you said as far as that earlier documentary. I hadn't seen that before. But I read it in a magazine many years ago about how my grandma would do that to kind of ward off any evil spirits like around him to keep them away from Ronnie James. Yeah, (laughs) pretty. Yeah, that documentary. If you can metal, metal. It's called Metal: A Headbanger's Journey. It's a good one, and there was a few. It's done by a guy Sam Dunn out of Toronto or out of. Uh, I know the name. He's out of Toronto now. He also did an Iron Maiden documentary. The Oh, I forget Maiden. I forget what it's called. Flight six. Yeah, Flight six six six. He also did that documentary. I own and that one. And he's done a few other. Global Metal is another one. He's all. He's the guy. He's on Banger TV. That thing that's on YouTube. He's the oh. guy that runs it or whatever. He's not awesome. on it all the time. But anyway, that's mm-hmm. it. So anyway, there's that was a good talk about Dio the Lost in Line and the top ten list was interesting. I thought, and that yeah, I was close. We had three right, not four, but I was pretty close. <laughs> yeah, you did good. Okay, so thank you, Eric, for joining me. And I will tell everybody, remind them, visit our website, www.themetalpit.org, and find us on social media. And I've just started to put our podcast also on YouTube, which I might continue to do. So you might be able to listen to this on YouTube if you want to, also, but with no video, though, because we're camera shy, at least so far. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Eric, for joining me. Thanks a ton, Blake. It was a great time, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye, everybody. See ya.